And welcome to the Dynasty Hot Sauce Podcast. I am FF Larry Monkey, and I'm joined by Justin Rogers. Uh, and you can find him on Twitter at RunDFF. And we have a special guest with us today. So uh, kind of a new guy on the scene. I don't know if many folks have heard of him. Um, he, he goes by the name of Ryan McDowell. Uh, and he's with us tonight, and we are very excited. How you doing, Ryan? What's up, guys? It's, uh, it's going to be a fun show, I think. I'm looking forward to it. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> yeah, 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 I don't know if you... Yeah, you, you threw me off, man. You threw me off my game already. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be like a cross between any of your normal podcasts and the Bull Rush. Like, somewhere in between there. <laughs> okay. Football, but I'm just warning you, it's it's going to be messy. So. I don't know. We all have one thing in common. We were all on the SVB, uh, pot, the SFB Potathon. Yeah, so. right. Oh yeah. yeah, that's right. I don't know exactly. if you caught our spot, Ryan. We were at the 2:30 a.m. slot. I don't know if you were able to, uh, you know, set your alarm for that one. <laughs> I missed that one actually. I was I was on vacation that week, so I I caught quite a bit of the of the show, but I don't think I made 2:30. Sorry. Guys. <laughs> oh, man. There might not have been quite as many watchers and listeners at that time frame. You know, we blame. Sal. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. Uh, it was a great time. They raised a ton of money. Uh, we yeah, we awesome. couldn't be happier. I mean, uh, I couldn't be happier we were even on. We were able to get a slot to, to be at 2.30 Eastern. I thought it was a great spot for us. It, it was awesome. Actually, you know, I, I listened to a lot of Ryan's podcasts. Um, actually, The Blueprint was the very first podcast I listened to because I listened to Matt when he was on ESPN stuff. Yeah. And then when he transitioned over, I uh, picked up y'all's and that I listened to you guys for like two years before a year and a half before I even started playing dynasty. So oh, I'm nice. going to gush a little bit here. It's, I mean, it's crazy that. That now I'm on a podcast with the, the father of dynasty or whatever. <laughs> How do you but, feel uh, about that? Hold on. You feel uh, the, the godfather of dynasty. That's when did you start hearing that for the first time, Ryan? Is that recently or is that all? Is that been, I mean, you have a t-shirt that says godfather on it. <laughs> I don't, I don't, uh, maybe I need one. I don't know. I don't know who was the first to say that. I mean, obviously it's, it's flattering. I'm humbled that people might think highly of me in that way, but uh, I don't know. I'm I'm not that old, you know. I'm I'm <laughs> I'm old. I'm I'm an old guy for uh, for the dynasty space, you know. So many so many uh, young guys are making their mark and doing great work in in the fantasy football space. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, it's it's cool to hear. You know, I kind of uh, chuckle at it a little bit when I hear it. But like I said, it's also uh, it's also kind of humbling and and nice to hear people think that. My wife gives me a hard time about it. She just laughs at me. <laughs> nice. So, so how does did your wife know what she was getting into when you started all this, and and how far it's come along? Um, yeah, probably not. Well, we were. Um, I mean, we were already married when I started playing uh, fantasy football and, and started playing dynasty. So she she predates you know what what has yeah. become really a huge part of my life. But I mean, she's you know no matter what I've done since we've been married and and together, I mean, she's always been a huge supporter of that. I used to coach cross country for uh, the local high school and oh really um, yeah yeah so we yeah. had uh, we had a pretty pretty good team and a pretty uh, pretty competitive around the state of Kentucky. Um, I mean, she was basically like second in charge. You know, she didn't necessarily know anything about the the running or the coaching aspect of it, but whatever I needed on, on race day, she was there. She was, she would deal with the parents. She would, you know, take care of the packets and put numbers on the, on the uniforms and and whatever, you know, whatever needed to be done. Starting lines. That's all. Yeah, exactly. So as we, our kids were born, I, I stepped away from that. It was just, 
just too much to uh, manage time-wise with with a family and and with coaching. Um, and then once I did that, I started becoming interested in uh, in fantasy football more and more. Started being more active, and and then Twitter came along and and really kind of changed things for me totally as far as exposure and activity and getting to. Uh, interact with more people and, and eventually become a writer myself. So, but same thing as, as far as her support. Um, she doesn't necessarily know a ton about football or fantasy football or, or really wow. care, honestly. But if I need help with something, if I'm like a setting up a league or, <laughs> yeah, I, don't know, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. But, um, you know, if I, if I need help with, I don't know, looking up some data or, or just anything I might be doing, um, She's kind of she's kind of my secretary in that way and, and always willing to help out. So, yeah, she's of course she, been a huge support. Has she ever had a team in any type of like whatever league? You know, has she ever been in any kind of league whatsoever? Yeah, she has. So uh, I'm an elementary school teacher and um, it was actually a co-worker of mine several years ago, almost 20 years ago now that brought me into his league. It was a college buddies league. It was the Dynasty League. So that was the first league I joined, and and that's what really got me started uh, playing fantasy football. But um, there at the school, of course, being an elementary school, it was uh, mostly female teachers and, and female staff, and we tried to we tried to start a league and didn't get a ton of traction. So every year we would try to do it. Uh, it was just really almost begging people to to take on teams and. I think we had an eight team league one year, but yeah, she played in a couple of those and, nice. and had some success, you know, picking out names and uh, <laughs> picking out names. I, yeah, I think, uh, I think I set her lineups most week, but most weeks, but she, uh, we'll, we'll let her enjoy her success. <laughs> yeah. So I actually have something similar. My wife, before we had a baby, uh, I think she played three years, but anyways, the first year I, I've got my tiered and it's an auction with four keepers and I've got my oh, tiered nice. set up and everything. And it was just a little redraft league with a bunch of college buddies. And I had mentioned that I had to replace a, a guy and she's like, well, maybe I can play. And I was like, you don't know anything about football, but I mean, if you want to, she starts reading a little bit. And I was like, you need to read more. Like, I don't want to bring a scrub in here. Dude, she beat me in the regular season all three years. Yeah, nice. championship game one year. I'm like, what the hell is this? So, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, she she. I told her after the first year, she wasn't allowed to have my tears anymore. Like, no, yeah. you can figure this out on your own. I, I don't. I'm not <laughs> handing my information over here. So. Yeah, my, my wife tried to get into it. She saw my my passion for it or obsession. I, I'll say passion. She'll say obsession. It got to. It was pl playoff time. I think it was like 2010 when she saw like the ugly side of it where Adrian Peterson was benched right, right before a playoff game or he was out with a knee injury. And, and I was in the I was driving and I didn't get the you know, back then you, you're, you're, you're not getting like real time notifications. And, I, and I'm yeah. driving and I'm oh, starting wow. Adrian Peterson in the playoffs and he's not playing. And I'm like, why did anybody tell me this? And I'm flipping out. And she's like, whoa, you need to calm down. <laughs> <laughs> <The> playoffs. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, she, she got into it. Then she's now she just hates it. She hates everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think mine just tolerates it now. So yeah, maybe tolerates a better word. Uh, I was bringing all that up that I listened to your pods and all that stuff. Because I've heard you say that you don't think there's going to be a season this year. Are you are you uh, a little bit weary of it? I guess. Yeah, yeah, I definitely am at this point. Uh, I saw somebody somebody put out a poll the other day, just kind of gauging 
uh, I think it was Andy Holloway of footballers, um, just gauging where everybody's at. And it was full season as normal or uh, maybe a, a partial season or or no season at all was his third option. And that's kind of where I am at this point. No. Um, I don't know. I hate to be pessimistic about it. I certainly hope there is. I uh, I would love to see a regular season, just, just a normal regular season, not only because that would that would mean football for all of us, but uh, what that would really mean for, you know, for the health of the country as a whole and, and just for the general status. If, if uh, that's how it turns out that there's a, that we're able to, to play as normal, then that would obviously be a good sign for everything else. But, sure. um, you know, I don't know about you guys in, in your area, but numbers are spiking here. Uh, it seems yeah. like numbers are spiking everywhere. I mean, even NBA and, and baseball are supposed to start here basically within a week. And I'm still not even confident that those, those two will, uh, will actually happen or, or at least not for long. Right. So I definitely hope I'm wrong on that, but I guess it's we'll not, see. It's not trending in the right direction. That's uh, that's for sure. We're just, it's yeah. just keeps getting closer and closer and the numbers are not improving. They're just getting worse. It's, it's hard to believe I mean, I'm in New Jersey. We dealt with what's happening now in a lot of other parts of the country. We dealt with back in March, right. uh, where we basically battened down the hatches, shut the doors, and didn't leave. I mean, I, I'd go out. I used to joke, I'm going out on a hunt. I go to the supermarket and <laughs> I come back with a, like a month's worth of food, so I wouldn't have to yeah. go out again. And that's how, and it seems like that's how that's where a lot of folks are right now. So I don't understand how they're going to get this whole football season underway. There's just so many moving moving pieces that have to kind of align with one another to get this season off the ground. I mean, forget about the fans in the stands. We're just Let's just talk about just like the trainers and, you know, the, the secretaries and, you know, the stuff, the, the folks behind the scenes that that make that make this game happen on Sundays. Uh, it's really going to be a challenge to, to get that going. And now training camps are supposed to be opening up soon. So we'll see how that goes. I mean, if they can, uh, and as it stands now, I mean, if, I don't know if you've seen the uh, Drew Brees, uh, J.J. Watt have come out and said, no one's really talked to us about a plan and there's not going to be football until they do. So, yeah, it's it's a weird spot for sure. Um, as I mentioned, I'm a teacher and, and I kind of feel like the NFL and really the education system in general are are kind of in similar spots. Yeah. Um, you know, if you if you go back to March, people were, of course, concerned about um, what schools were going to do. And, and I think almost all of them ended up, of course, going to online learning or, or whatever earlier than scheduled and, and uh, or, or ending the year earlier than scheduled, I should say. But at that point, people were thinking about the, the next school year that we have coming up in, in a few weeks now and thinking, I mean, almost just thinking it'll be better by then. And it was kind of, it kind of seems to be the same mindset with the NFL, you know, Oh, we've got, we've got three or four months. We'll just wait and see what happens now. We've got we're we're nearing the the start date for both of those both yep. of those things and and they're still again I don't know what it's like in your area but um, schools in my area don't seem to have a plan they don't know what to do uh, of course it's it's a big decision that affects a lot of people and and we can say the same thing about the NFL in 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 a very different way yeah numbers are spiking here as well and and it's been one of those. Schools are going to open, yada, yada, yada. I think they've decided to push back sports two weeks. 
But other than that, I mean, I'm in Mississippi, and the last two weeks have been double what any of the previous weeks have been as far as numbers go. I mean, it's just right. So, but you're right. It's just we're just going to keep on going, you know, status quo, and everything's fine. You know, everybody. It's like people we're we're burying our head in the sand, just pretending that it's going to be all right, and instead of making a plan. And that's what I think that some of these prominent NFL players are making a point about is that. You know, if you want to come back, you need to do like the NBA did. And they kind of, you know, the NBA did a pretty good job of outlining how they would do it. You know, it's impossible to create a bubble like for the NFL, like it is in basketball, just with the pure numbers of people. And you're talking about three or four times as many people involved in a team. But at the same time, you know, they had outlined what happens if you leave the bubble or, you know, what what kind of quarantine period you would be in. Um, the only thing I've heard so far is that if you're if you go COVID positive, that you're out three three weeks minimum. I think is what I heard. I don't know anything else other than that. I don't know if they've put out anything else to the NFL Players Association. So and- that brings us to our fantasy football teams. Now, as it relates to a startup, are you paying more attention to rookies? You pay more attention to the younger guys, thinking that the season this first year might take place you're going to pay attention to more veteran guys and and hope that they don't lose a year and get a year older Uh, if we're going to if we're actually going to skip a year uh how does that play into your thought process and then then you have these these guys that uh, i mean justin brought this up with the guys that are in a contract year i mean there's so many different scenarios that could play out ryan how how do you how are you addressing like an actual draft if you're a about to get in a startup. Yeah, I've done several uh, new startups this offseason. Most of them, uh, again, back early in the offseason, kind of mm-hmm. before, uh, before I guess we really knew uh, what to expect as far as the upcoming season. So um, at that point, I wasn't, this was not impacting my strategy at all, honestly. Um, right. You know, every once in a while, there would be some talk about it during uh during a draft like you know don't draft drew Brees or don't draft tom brady you know these larry fitzgerald maybe these guys are uh you know maybe they never play again who knows um but uh, honestly i mean with my general startup strategy anyway i'm i'm focusing on uh i'm focusing on youth from the start so Mm -hmm. uh, if i'm drafting a team today it probably wouldn't look very very much different than what it would have four or five months ago or, or what it would have last year, honestly. Um, those players that we might be concerned about as far as age, uh, those, those are guys I probably would leave for someone else anyway. But uh, yeah. kind of from a general standpoint, I absolutely think we have to, we have to factor that in. Um, I mean, I would not be drafting Julio Jones at his ADP. Like, no way, no way. Yeah, considering you might miss – one of those last few prime years. I mean, if exactly. Julio has three years left and as far as decent high level production, whatever, and you only get two of them because we don't have a 2020 season, that's, that's a big loss. You know, that's 33% of your investment basically. Absolutely. So, yeah. So tying that back into players that might be on your roster, are, are you worried about someone like Dalvin cook who's who had threatened to hold out and now, and the other news that I'd heard was that players uh, it's been proposed that players will be able to opt out by August 1st and still accrue a year of service or whatever. So if you got a guy like Dalvin cook, who doesn't have a contract, is that something that you would, that you're concerned about and maybe trying to sell? I mean, I think most of us try to sell running backs before their second contract anyway, but if you're stuck with them right now, are you 
are you taking, you know, 75 cents on the dollar to, to kind of mitigate some risk on a player like that? You know, him, Joe Mixon, those guys. Yeah, I'm not too worried about the holdout piece of it, only because the, the new CBA has made it so difficult, honestly, to, to even hold out. Uh, they've increased fines for those players that, that miss practices or or certainly miss any preseason games or anything like that. And then I think the rule, the new rule is if you miss more than five, uh, basically miss more than five days, you lose that that year as an accrued year. You know, it used to be uh, the number was 10 weeks, right? We looked for Melvin Gordon to yeah. come back around week 10, Le'Veon Bell um, yeah. a couple of years ago. I don't want to talk about Le'Veon Bell. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, it's a sore subject for me. It's a sore subject. Yeah. So, so that that ten weeks has has moved now to to basically five days, which means it's it's almost non-existent. I just don't think we're going to see many holdouts at all, and, and certainly at the running back position, they just don't have the leverage. We've right. we've seen that with those two guys the past couple of years. The opt out. I mean, as far as I know, Dalvin Cook doesn't have any medical risk. Uh, um, Mark Andrews is the one that we've heard right. as right. a potential opt-out. Uh, I think he's a, he's a diabetic. I also saw him a, a statement from him saying he would not opt out. So I, I don't think – I mean, I could definitely be wrong here, but I don't think we're going to see a lot of players opt out without some type of, of medical condition. Uh, yeah. pre-existing. So if, if there is a season, I think Dalvin, I think we'll see Dalvin Cook on the field. Yeah. It's also yeah. like a follow the leader thing too. I mean, you get, you have your breeze and your JJ Watt, you know, being vocal, they're disappointed with how the league has responded. You know, everyone else will fall in line. And next thing you know, you know, you're, you're dealing with what, what baseball had gone through. Yeah. Yeah. It's a messy situation. And um, we really are seeing it all over the country. And, and of course it's just magnified, with the NFL, with other sports, because that's that's kind of what we're what so much of our attention is on anyway. But when you even think about it from um, you know, like from a grocery worker standpoint, you know, yeah. if you work at a grocery store, you work at Walmart, whatever, and you've had to work throughout this whole mm-hmm. process while the government has shut down, schools have shut down, and private businesses have shut down, and you know, th- we have businesses putting the good of the the good of the whole, or, or the, maybe even the bottom line, you could say, uh, ahead of individuals, and and that's kind of what is going on with the NFL. And so I don't, I don't blame the players for having some concerns and, and questioning things. From a commissioner's standpoint, from a commissioner's standpoint, are you have you started to think about how you are going to address your leagues that that you run? Are you adding IR spots, or are you, somebody one of my leagues floated the idea of making it like an all play type of situation in case we only get a partial season and just different scenarios being floated out there as, as anything crossed your desk. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's been a lot. We're actually uh, Scott fish and I are actually planning a, a, a big episode coming up over the next week or two, bringing a few other league commissioners together that, that run some different dynasty leagues and, and just trying to talk through all of these things because there's, mm-hmm. there are so many questions if you run a dynasty league and there's so many possibilities. Of course, the best case scenario is we get a full season and we just let everything out, everything play out as normal, but there's many options. If the season is canceled entirely, there's other options and other possibilities. If we get four games, six games, 10 games in, so I don't have any great answers yet, honestly, but I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this roundtable discussion we're going to have 
on Commission Impossible, we're we're going to talk about you know what to do with your your league fees and your league winnings if there's only a partial season, uh, how mm-hmm. to determine twenty. 21 draft order if there's no season at all um i think the the best ball or the all play uh scenario are are definitely a couple things to consider increased ir spots is i think based on what we know right now an absolute must we heard uh from roger goodell earlier this week that there would be a a covid list um, Mm -hmm. which is going to be that's that's good news for fantasy players for dynasty (laughs) players uh, just in that you, you kind of know what's going on at least. And, um, you know, you could potentially put that player on IR for the short term, hopefully. Potathon Stefani Bell talking about how teams might, teams that get hit hard, that could possibly get hit hard, potentially forfeiting a game. I know. Yeah. Imagine the entire offensive meeting room, you know, like, you know, it just runs rampant through there, like wildfire. And all of a sudden they've got 17 people that are out or something great. I mean, it's not, it's not unheard of at all. I mean, I think West Virginia, my, my wife was reading me a headline. I think it was yesterday that West Virginia had 28 or 30 kids that had, I say kids, but young adults that had tested positive and were quarantined. I mean, it's just when you get that many people in one place. So Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, we already saw it with Clemson football as well. I think they had, they had some high numbers already just from uh, informal yeah. practices and things. I, I mean, I guess my only thought on that is I think we would probably get, a league-wide decision before something like that happens, before a team actually had to forfeit a game, I think I feel like they would shut the whole thing down, honestly. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's real bad. Yeah, I don't know if you uh, will recall the, mo- the the question because you guys get so many on Commission Possible, but I, I wrote in with a COVID clause, and it was because I had an auction, and I had just started the league when all this started going down, and uh, it was taking the average of all the – all the draft picks. So like a first round pick would be average of a first rounder, et cetera. But now I've got to go back and I was talking to my buddy um, and he's a first year dynasty player. He joined this league. I drug him into it. He's got all these, I mean, he's got Dalvin cook, Kamara, Derek Kimry. He's, he drafted, he bought a bunch of, you know, win now running backs. And I was talking to him about his team and, and how, you know, is he worried or whatever? And he, he still, is too young in the dynasty to understand that in two years yeah. the team could look like a dumpster fire. But, <laughs> but he, you know, I was telling him I'm going to have to write more into the into the bylaws, you know, adding IR slots or something. So I'm looking forward to that episode you guys put out because as a commission in a, a commissioner in a league like that, it's it's I'd rather be ahead of it than than trying to react. I'd rather, you know, yeah, get ahead of it. Yeah. Yeah, and again, there's there's just so much to consider. I'm I'm looking forward to the show as well. We we've, we've got John Bosch on, and I don't know if you guys are playing in John's leagues, but he's he's got some crazy, uh, very unique leagues, uh, and and is one of the go to options when it comes to anything related to league commissioning. We've got both of my co hosts on the DLF Dynasty podcast, Dan Myler, who runs a ton of salary cap contract leagues. Uh, Matt Price, who runs some some vampire leagues and some uh, some larger leagues with some unique formats as well. So uh, we're gonna we'll we'll try to cover the basic leagues for sure, but also get into uh, those more uh, niche or unique leagues also. All right, enough of this COVID nonsense. Let's <laughs> yeah, you're bringing me down, guys. Come yeah, on, let's get into let's some. Uh, listen, like everybody else, <laughs> I got a trade. I got a trade. Let's talk trades. Let's talk trades. Let's do it. Talk some trades. I did a trade. I did a couple of trades over the weekend, actually. 
I'm in a I'm in a, a league run by Scott Connor. It seems like I drop his name every every week, every episode. <laughs> uh, it's a Devi league. It's my very first uh, Devi startup, and that I was a part of. And I've just uh, it was it was it was rough goings from from my my setting. <laughs> it's a two tight end league, one point seven five premium, mm. super flex. Start thirteen. This sounds exactly like a Scott Connor league. Like if he could start the whole roster, he would. He'd be like, "Let's just start everybody. <laughs> Screw all you guys." I'm and he would out. win. I'm gonna figure. Yeah, exactly. And he would oh, yeah. figure out how to find the 25th best player and put him in my roster. Being, and- a, being in a draft with Scott and watching him, it was like watching. It was like a thing of beauty. Every time he he would like pick the perfect player. Every time I'm like, "Oh, what a great pick!" Every pick he's making a great pick. But yeah. um, this is, this is a trade. Now, running back is a point, one point, one five point per carry, a half point PPR for running back, full point for wide receiver, blah, 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 blah. So anyway, Ronald Jones or Nikhil Harry, who do you got? Well, you're not going to tell me which side you're on. I like that. I like that. <laughs> you're I never going to get that. <laughs> <Come on. laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, we know the story with, with these guys, both some, some, uh, if there was ever some, a yeah, if there was ever a boomer bust trade, exactly, yeah, some some high potential, some high upside with both of these guys, but they've they've also disappointed from what we've seen so far. Uh, Rojo in in two seasons, Nikhil Harry last year as a rookie. I'm I'm taking Nikhil Harry here pretty easily. Uh, yeah. uh, I hope that's the side you were on, but uh, I'm I'm just not I'm I'm not a believer in in Ronald Jones. I, I know there's definitely been a lot of excitement around that. Tampa Bay offense as a whole uh, this offseason with the moves they've made. And I mean, we, we just, we just haven't seen it with Ronald Jones and, and I don't think uh, the arrival of Tom Brady is really going to change enough. Honestly, I, I think this is a team that's adding a running back again next year. So Nick Whalen turned me on to Ronald Jones. Yes. Uh, I mean, you know that he's a, he's been, Ronald Jones, truther forever. Yeah. Uh, so I ended up taking him in all my leagues. I, I actually drafted him in this league. I just wanted to make some trades. I've, I've been in, I've been in, I've been, I was in so many eliminators and maybe we'll get into that a, a little later that I was drafting for a solid month and a half. And I love making <laughs> trades, in leagues. So, but I've been in these drafts and it's been a month and a half and it's a grind, man. When you're on the clock and you're, you're, you got, you know, I'm setting my pre-draft because I got all these drafts happening and, this and that, but now all these drafts are over. So I'm like, oh, whew, let me, you know, let me take a step back. And I'm like, you know what? I don't want Ronald Jones in my. I was selling the news. I don't even know what the news was, but people started talking about Ronald Jones in like the last week or so. As have I, I don't know. I guess because he put on some weight and he put on some muscle, and you know, he, oh, he's he's got the jugs machine. He's catching 300 balls a day <laughs> and blah blah blah. So I'm just like, you know what? I've heard this every single year with somebody where. I don't know if the agent gets the word out or whatever, but I, I just wanted to sell the news, uh, floated it out there. We were, went back and forth on a couple of couple trade offers. I, I, I wanted Harry. I figured he was banged up last year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. He was in most of the year. And I mean, this guy was the the one one in most rookie drafts w- when he came out. And I just don't. And I know Ronald Jones was a first round pick also when he came out of uh, uh, rookie picks. Uh, in rookie drafts. But at the same time, I have plenty of Jones in other spots and I just wanted to diversify. And, you know, there's that never Rojo hashtag that every time I see it, I'm like, oh, I have so I have too much Rojo. I need to get rid of some. Uh, so, yeah. And so I traded into Scott. I was happy about it. Uh, Scott jumped in the chat and Scott's in 50 leagues and he said he right. wanted 
he said he wanted 10% of his leagues to have Rojo in it. So I, I just happened to be in the right place at the right time, I think. And I was able to make that deal uh, for Nikhil Harry. Hopefully he, you know, forms a bond with Cam, which I don't think is that far-fetched. Uh, he's got something to prove. And all these guys are big-time competitors. So I think I should hopefully uh, come out on top on this one. What do you think, Justin? Yeah, I like. I was a Nikhil guy last year, so all day long leading up into it. So I took him at 102 right behind Josh Jacobs in a in a league. Um, so I, I'm still on that train. And I'm a Rojo truther. Not to the extent of maybe Nick Whalen, but I think that I think that he's better than Keyshawn Vaughn, and he's still younger than, uh, amazingly younger than Keyshawn Vaughn. Like you know, having having two years of experience in there. Shane says it well. If if Tampa Bay tries to make him block, what's well, going to be an epic failure? But if they just let him do the things that he does well, you know, give him the ball and get him out in space, then he can then he can be successful. But I still just think that Nikhil Harry is a is a better prospect and. The situation can only get better. Already last year, Brady was kind of, you could see that he wasn't the same Brady that he was three or four years ago. You know, he's a lot of dump downs and things. And Harry was beat up, uh, missed, you know, what, six, seven games, something like that. And it's just a different, bringing Cam in is going to be a different style of play for them. And I think it benefits Harry's play, you know, the way that he can get downfield and use his body to, Kind of be that Kelvin Benjamin, Devin, Devin Funches that uh, Cam likes to rely on anyway. So well, I mean, Cam's not the most accurate guy. So just throw it up there and let him go get I'm it. I'm hoping it'll be more like a DJ Moore and and you know, <laughs> <laughs> Kelvin Benjamin. Well, if we can get Kelvin Benjamin production, but just you know, four years of it instead of one year of it. Well, I think we'll all be happy. Yeah, I, I do think Larry, you make a good point about Ronald Jones though, because he is he is one of those players that for the most part we we love to hate. And if you look at his numbers last year, especially, I think they're a lot better than most people might assume. You know, mm-hmm. he, he gave you a, he gave you an RB one game, nineteen percent of the time. He gave you an RB two game, twenty five percent of the time. So forty four percent of the time, he was he was a top twenty four back. He was a fantasy starter. Yeah. And I agree with Justin that I, I like him more than Vaughn still. So uh, my only, I mean, my only issue is unless I think it's there's a chance that the player is going to be an elite back, then, you know, I'm probably just not even buying unless I'm buying low. And, and I don't consider uh, giving up Harry buying low. So I like the idea of buying Ronald Jones low, taking a chance, you know, maybe things do improve. Uh, Maybe, maybe things do click for him and he becomes, I don't think he's ever going, going to be an elite guy, but maybe he's a player that we can start for the next couple of years. Uh, But I I would want to do that for our, you know, like for a future second or something like that, something less than Nikhil Harry. Yeah. Right, right. So this go this gets into the next. So the following day, this was yesterday. So I made the the, the Jones Harry trade on Friday. Uh, yesterday I made a trade, and again, this is a two tight end league, one point seven five. Keyshawn Vaughn or Ian Thomas and a 2021 first. I can already tell you where Ryan is because I just listened to him say he liked Rojo more than uh, Keyshawn Vaughn and he doesn't like Rojo that much. So this seems like a pretty – I'm just going to answer for everybody and say Ian Thomas and a 2021 first is the easy answer here. That's uh, – yes, that, that's, that's, that's who I had. Now, the two tight end thing kind of freaks me out. And especially at a one point, because a tight end premium 
Uh-huh. At 1.75, the tight ends are already, you know, they're already hot commodities. To add a second tight end in your starting lineup, that's a that's a whole nother beast. Now, I haven't had that much experience in a two tight end league, but I was in a free one. Uh, a friend of mine that got a, a league together with his kid, and he had like it's like a, a kids' league, and he and he needed an extra head, so I got in, and he and he made the settings two tight ends, and at the time I was like, oh, why is this? What's about two tight ends? Jesus, that was hard. It was a hard league because to start two tight ends, tight ends get hurt. Number one, number two, half of them are are not that efficient last year at least. So finding a, a solid tight end core, I feel like is essential, and then then talk about the 1.75 per reception on top of that i just it's almost the most valuable position you're going to have on your on a, on a team so my and i won't even want to get into my Keyshawn vaughn story how i ended up with him that's an that's an, that's an <laughs> story so that is this the same league so you had Keyshawn vaughn and rojo i had Keyshawn vaughn and rojo so i did the the, the oh, startup draft I, I startup draft i drafted rojo and then we had a devi draft uh, like a month or two later, a rookie, rookie slash Devi. Uh, so there were no rookie picks in the startup. So we had the rookie slash Devi draft and I was on the clock and I was, I just got the, the pool guys were here opening up the pool. I was just distracted and I was like, Oh, it's my pick. And, uh, and, and Scott had just, tra- just sniped Dobbins from me. He traded if Dobbins yeah. was falling in my lap, Scott trades right in front of me, takes Dobbins. So now I'm all discombobulated and I'm just like, Oh my God, what? And, I, and I'm, and I'm, desperate for running backs and i was like i have rojo i'm like i just i took vaughn and i was like oh no what what do i do why did i do that then i was like oh no everyone in the league is gonna think i'm a joke because i just took Keyshawn vaughn who's got the butt of a lot of jokes so i just wanted to get rid of that whole mess of a backfield um well and Keyshawn vaughn and i was able to to get the 2021 first uh, and then Ian Thomas, who may or may not be catching a bunch of balls from Teddy Two Gloves. I don't know. What do you think? Apparently, there was one guy in the league that didn't think you were a joke because he <laughs> the like a mofo for for Keyshawn Vaughn. So hey, you know. well that that's the thing. I had heard John Bauer is a huge Keyshawn Vaughn fan, and he's in the he's in the he's in the Dynasty Theory. Uh, he's in the yeah. part, so uh, I started going after him. I started peppering him with some Vaughn some Vaughn offers, and he came back to me with that one. And then I countered with Higby in a first, and he shot it down. I was like, you yeah. Know, I'm like, oh, let's do Thomas then. And he, and he accepted it, and I was like, all right, cool. Yeah, think, I like that one for you. I think that that might be one of those trades where uh, I like both of the pieces you got individually over what you gave up. So, I mean, <laughs> right. I, I think I think in this format with the start two tight ends and the tight end premium uh, PPR as well, I think you can make a strong case for Thomas over Vaughn. And even with the the Devi depleted draft, I, right. I would still take the first rounder uh, in in most cases. I guess it depends on how deep the the Devi pool is, but I'm probably still taking that first rounder. So love that one for you. And to think that you traded that Tampa backfield and got uh, got Harry uh, the first rounder and Ian Thomas, great great job. Thank you. Yeah, I felt really good, and it it kind of eased my my worry of making that Vaughn mistake, which was really devastating at the time. I remember that happening and, and yeah, it was embarrassing <laughs> to be associated with you. So um, yeah. <laughs> it was really embarrassing. I felt terrible for myself, but so Ryan, are you in, uh, I mean, are you in a lot of two tight end leagues? Justin, are you in any two tight end leagues? No, or? I'm not in a two tight end league. I'm not doing that. <laughs> Let's go ahead, Ryan. Not on this one. Hell no. 
Yeah, I'm I'm in one actually. Uh, Redless two, which is one of the leagues that Matt Price runs, mm-hmm. is a two tight end league, and you're right. It is it is tough. It's a challenge, you know, to fill those spots every week. And I think if you if you look at kind of the current landscape of the tight end position, it it might be getting better. Yeah, uh, it might be a little bit easier. The the position seems deeper than it has in years, not only uh, at the top, but I mean, if you're looking for a tight end sleeper this year, thinking about redraft, you've got a dozen options yeah. uh, that you that you could go for. Yeah, uh, you know, we all we all kind of have dealt with that. Those of us who played in uh, drafted in in the Scott Fishbowl, uh, of course, the the tight end premium in that format, and uh, you know, maybe you're chasing Johnny Smith or Ian Thomas or Jay Sternberger or Chris Herndon. Um, there's, there's a ton of different names out there. So I think it might be getting a little easier, but, uh, the two tight ends plus the one seven five is, is huge. Boy, that puts a hell of a premium on those elite ones. You're talking about pushing Mark Andrews into probably a late first rounder in a startup. In that league, I took, I took Mark Andrews. At the turn, I had the I'd yeah. like one eleven or one twelve or so, from what I remember, and I took my first two picks were Kyler Murray and Mark Andrews. Yeah, <laughs> I subsequently traded Andrews, but that's, that's <laughs> a conversation. So, yeah, it, it was it's insane with the two tight ends. Yeah. I don't know. It should be interesting. Well, hopefully the season kicks off. But yeah, well, yeah. switching gears then, let's talk about let's talk about some of these young players since we know that you like to build around youth, Ryan, uh, with the productive struggle that you patented so well. Are there any players that you think could be DJ Chark this year that just come out of nowhere? I mean, just really non-existent or unnotable uh, first year that pop out and explode for you know, a good solid season and really escalate their value. Yeah. I mean, I think the easy call would be to, to go back to Nikhil Harry. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, this is, this is a player that uh, for, for much of the, uh, that college season leading up to and, and pre NFL draft, we thought he would be the one Oh one rookie pick and uh, ultimately got, got passed by, Josh Jacobs and and David Montgomery as well, Miles Sanders maybe. So he fell a little bit, but I, I think we all still had high hopes for him with the Patriots and and of course the injury. Plus, I mean, we the the Patriots is for as much success as they have had uh, have have not been strong drafting specifically wide receivers. So I think he kind of got thrown into that a little bit uh, that bucket. And that's that's probably unfair. So you think about DJ Chark last year, and, and he, I mean, he was totally written off after mm-hmm. uh, after a quiet rookie season, despite you know some pretty good draft capital. I think he was a second rounder in yeah. most dynasty rookie drafts. Great uh, combine. Too. He was a second right. rounder in a real in the real draft in the NFL yep. draft, I believe. So. Right, right. He had so real we, NFL draft capital that we all we all just gave up on him. I mean, myself included. Uh, I actually wasn't a big fan of his. So after his after his rookie year, I mean, I just kind of felt vindicated. Like, okay, I, I can check that one off. I had that one right, and uh, of course that's. <laughs> that, that's not how it turned out, which is, which is great for him. But uh, yeah. if you flash back a year, you think about the situation he was in. I mean, very few people saw this at the time, but it was a wide open path for him to be the best receiver on that team. Um, you know, maybe it's, we were debating DD Westbrook or uh, I don't, I don't know. I can't even remember who Marquise Lee. Yeah. Marquise Lee. Other, like, yeah. We were chasing all those guys and, and, and kind of, 
ignoring Chark for the most part. And, and I don't think people are writing off Nikhil Harry in the same way necessarily, but you go back a year and his, his ADP, his dynasty ADP was 42 overall. Now it's 88. So much, much easier buy at this point. Uh, you look at the Patriots team. And I mean, I know Julian Edelman is still there and, and he's certainly kind of been the rock for them, but uh, if if we yeah. go in go into the 2021 season and you tell me Nikhil Harry's the best receiver on the Patriots, it it wouldn't be a shock. Yeah, not at all. Yeah, I've got I pulled up uh, the rookie uh, ADP on DLF from last year, and you know for the most part, I mean we had some really good hits uh, for wide receiver. AJ Brown, DK Metcalf were in the middle of the first. Uh, Debo was toward the end of the first round. Uh, Marquise Brown, uh, even being a first rounder in the NFL, he was a second rounder last year, and I think everybody has high hopes for him, but there's a couple of the names on here, Paris Campbell and, and Jay jaw. I mean, those guys are, they're kind of in a similar situation or could be that, uh, that Chark was in. I mean, some of these other guys, Andy Isabella, Hakeem Butler, you can just write them off because they're buried. There's just so many, so much competition for targets, but uh, especially in Philadelphia, they've got Ertz and Goddard and we're assuming right. Reagan, you know, and then after that, and if, especially if, there's, you know, training camp delays and things like that. Uh, it, Ortega Whiteside might have an inside track to be one of those, you know, second year breakouts that come out of nowhere. Because just like Chark, we're, we're writing off Ortega Whiteside pretty hard uh, based on his drops. I mean, Stonehands is basically what he was last year. So Yeah, he, he was a player I was really high on last year. So got, uh, again, through one year, looks like I, I missed on that one. But uh, as cheap as he is, as cheap mm-hmm. as Paris Campbell is, um, similar to what we saw from Chark. So, you know, why not take a chance, right? I mean, our right. uh, yeah. Whiteside, even in, in Scott Fishbowl, and of course we're talking redraft league there, but um, even in that league went undrafted uh, in, mm-hmm. in most of those leagues, uh, even in a deeper redraft. So I wouldn't say I'm super confident with either of those guys, Paris Campbell or, or Arthago Whiteside, but at, at their price, you yeah. have to take mm-hmm. a chance. Right. Uh, Jay Jaw or Paris Campbell's going 136 in DLF ADP right now, and Ortega Whiteside is going, pulling it up here, 188. Wow, yeah, yeah, really yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. That's nuts. Yeah. <laughs> so on the flip side, let's let's talk about Terry McLaren and who. I mean, he was a he was like an early third round rookie pick last year. And there, there was there was a little hype around him. There was, mm-hmm. there was the connection with Haskins went to the same team, and and then he just kind of burst onto the scene, and now he's now he's their 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 number one guy. Yeah. In today's rookie rookie pool, around that same ADP for for rookies, is there anybody that could could be this year's Terry McLaren? I think there's a lot of options as far as players that could break out and. I mean, that's that's one of the great things about this class is it's just yeah. so so deep, so much, so many great choices, well into the third round. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you can even even look at some guys you would want in that fourth round range. But uh, focusing on the third round, a, a few running backs are interesting. But uh, kind of following the the Terry McLaurin mold, the, that path. Devin Duvernay stands out for me. He's thirty one overall right now in ADP, and that's coming from. Uh, actual rookie drafts that have taken place on my fantasy league. And I mean, one thing 
again, using hindsight here, McLaurin had a clear path to be the wide receiver one on that team. Mm-hmm. Um, and it ended up, I think rookies were the top three wide receivers in, in production by the end of the season for Washington. Uh, and of course, Hollywood Brown is there in uh, in Baltimore. So it, it would be a surprise, certainly, if, if DuVernay overtook Hollywood Brown. But uh, I, I don't think it would be a major shock. I mean, Brown has shown some upside and he was, uh, he was a first round NFL draft pick, but he's also dealt with some injuries. He was very inconsistent last year. Uh, I, I mean, I still, I, I like Brown quite a bit. I've been buying him this off season, but right. uh, Duvernay could, could easily at least be the, the second wide receiver on that team. Larry, you got anybody that you were thinking about? I was thinking about, I know Ryan is, is a big fan of uh, Van Jefferson, right? <laughs> <laughs> I have, I've heard a few pods where where, you, where uh, Van is not uh, at the top of your list, but <laughs> you know I think I think he and Duvernay are actually in similar spots because if yeah. you if you go back and look at uh, that's one thing I like about what we offer at DLF we've got this you know we've got pre combine rookie ADP we've got pre draft rookie ADP and you can really see how uh, opinions change and value changes on these guys. And if you look at those February mock drafts, March mock drafts, yep. uh, Van Jefferson and, and Duvernay both were were not really on the radar at all, despite some some solid college careers. Van Jefferson was called probably the best route runner in the class, really from the start. Duvernay was was a four star recruit, a top five wide receiver entering college. Uh, a few years ago. So, so both of those guys probably should have been given a little more credit than they were uh, earlier in the process. But um, I'm, I mean, for me, Jefferson is not the type of receiver I chase. He is a little bit older, um, never really had that huge college season, but I'll, I'll probably let somebody else have Van Jefferson. Duvernay and Jefferson were, were kind of these fourth round guys that I, back in, in, in the early part of drafts after folks that did their rookie drafts right after the NFL draft. Mm-hmm. And then they just started working their way into the third round. And now Duvernay is an early third round. John, John Harbaugh was, was like jumping for joy when, when, when they, when Duvernay fell to him. So I feel like they're going to find a, a good way to maybe put him in the slot. And, and who knows with, with Andrews and there's going to be a lot of young guys that, that, probably are forced to step up different situations in terms of COVID impacting their teams. There's going to be a lot of uh, guys that you wouldn't expect on this. I mean, there might be some, some really like scabs playing, you know, which, which talks to the the IR expansion uh, on your teams. Um, I was also, we had Debbie Kane on last week and we all know how he feels about Tyler Johnson. And he made a compelling argument at as to he could possibly be the wide receiver two in that offense by. Yeah, it it wouldn't shock me. Um, I mean, I I really like Tyler Johnson as well. It's been kind of an interesting career path for him already. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think we all hoped he would, uh, would have declared Kane might not as, as a Gophers fan, (laughs) but yeah, the rest of us were hoping he would have declared uh, last year, or, or I guess a year ago after his uh, his junior season, he goes back and uh, his production was was still there. You know, for Minnesota, he had a, had another huge year, but uh, was basically just overtaken by Rashad Bateman. And what we were hearing, what the NFL, what the scouts were telling us all along, uh, proved to be true that that Tyler Johnson was not that day one or day two prospect like. Uh, like some of us thought, I guess in that 
light, it does make sense that he that he decided to go back to school. But I mean, he's he's got a he's got a path as well, and and certainly an exciting offense there. Yeah, that's that's a situation where there could be a lot of a lot of targets to be earned there. Peter might say so. You know, if you if if Tyler gets into a situation where Mike Evans has moved on, and they're looking for someone to fill that role next to. Uh, Chris Godwin, you could end up seeing a, a resurgence in in Tyler Johnson's career because certainly he has dropped precipitously off what he was a year and a half ago when we were all just you know gushing over him because he was just killing the Big Ten. So, but I mean, it, it's still and I brought this up to Kane, he's still going to have to earn his way into the slot because he can't play on the outside. Chris Godwin, Chris Godwin has played a lot in the slot, so I don't, I just don't know how he earns or how he kicks Godwin out to the outside permanent. I think it's still a, a situational, maybe he gets 30, 40, 50% of the snaps, but I, I don't see him getting on the field for extensive snap work. This is all still assuming that they don't draft somebody else next year, you know, or that, it, and that's again, assuming that Mike Evans is gone. So there's a lot of ifs and, and hopes and wishes, fingers crossed kind of thing for Tyler Johnson right now. So uh, the Eliminators, Fantasy Cares Eliminators. We had a big episode for uh, Eliminator. We called it Eliminator Season. Uh, it was a kickoff. It's kind of like the kickoff for fantasy year, really, when you think about it. It starts off with the Eliminators. Those start going off, and that rolls right into the fishbowl. And then, then, then the NFL training camps begin, and then your, your redraft kind of kick off. So the Eliminators kind of really, for me, I was in a dozen of them. So, I mean, in a big way, they were really, really kicked off the entire fantasy year, if, if you want to call it that. So I, I'm in a number of Eliminators. I, I got in, I was lucky enough to get into one of Ryan's Eliminators. The scoring is is, is really, really fun, if you want to, if you for lack of a better term. Sure. Uh, tight end scoring specifically. We talked about the t- uh, the tight ends, uh, tight end premium earlier with, with the trades that I made. But uh, in the, the John Bosch eliminators, uh, tight end catch in a first down is three points. I kind of made it a point in m- m- probably most of my eliminators to to kind of get my hands on a, on a couple of tight ends. Uh, I have tight ends in, in all my leagues, but I noticed in the eliminator that I did with Ryan, you only took one tight end. And not only that, you had f- five defenses. Five Ds is what I'm looking at, yeah. One tight end that you took in the seventh round, being Dallas Goddard, which is a great pick. One quarterback, and I kind of st- I st- kind of stayed away from quarterbacks uh, in my eliminators, but I was wondering if you could kind of take us through your thought process, Ryan, as to you had the 14th pick, and these eliminators are 17 players. 17 deep. Uh, and you started off with Alvin Kamara, who fell to you. I thought that was, you know, that was a logical pick there. But yeah, I was really, and we talked about it the, uh, on our pod, our Eliminator uh, episode. Uh, I was like, I'm in this, I'm in this Eliminator with Ryan McDowell. Check it out. Who he's, check out who he's taken here and who you know, he took before it is. But uh, yeah, what was your thought process going into these Eliminators, uh, if you had any, or were you just winging it? Yeah, I, I think I can say for the first time, I, I was not just winging it. That that would probably be true, um, <laughs> you know, in previous years, John puts these leagues on and and they're a ton of fun and, and obviously do great things for Fantasy Cares and, and for the uh, for the community as a whole. Uh, this year, I don't know, maybe it was maybe it was being stuck at home, maybe it was having a little more time, but uh, I definitely put in more research into these leagues than I had in the past, and um, I, I noticed John, I mean, John is like Scott with SFB. He always, <clears throat> he always makes some, some small changes, but from what I could tell, there weren't a ton of changes 
from last year's eliminators to this year's John, John might correct me on that uh, if I'm wrong, but they, they were pretty similar from what I saw. So I looked at last year's results and, and John ran about a hundred of these leagues last year. I went through every single league and I looked at the winning roster and tracked how did that how did that champion build his roster? What was his roster makeup? And then looked at what was most common. <clears throat> so the most common build at tight end for the champions was rostering two tight ends. Uh, so you would see, you know, you would see some teams because of the scoring go really heavy and, and grab four or five, six tight ends sometimes, which which I thought was just extreme. But the, the most common was two. 31 of the champions had two tight ends. 21 of the champions had three tight ends. But beyond that, it was single-digit champions, four and beyond. Uh, of the champs, 15 wow. of them did not have a tight end at all. Wow. And seven, 17 of them had just one tight end. I mean, if you if you get Kittle, if you get Kelsey, uh, maybe you can still throw Ertz into that, or you include Mark Andrews into that, obviously, he had the breakout year last year. Those are game changers. But chasing the, the mid-round tight ends is, is something I decided wasn't necessarily going to be profitable. Uh, I, I didn't think – I mean, I ended up in, in our league. Larry, I ended up grabbing Dallas Goddard uh, in the late seventh round. And right. um, I, I'm making one of those picks for me felt fine. Uh, I, I've always liked Dallas Goddard. But I didn't want to make three or four or five picks like that where I was chasing – uh, tight end production really with the, uh, with the format of these leagues, which are zero st- required right. starters at any one position, you know, you don't have to have a, a starting quarterback or a, a starting tight end or defense or anything. Uh, you can, you can build your team however you want. I really do just think of it as, as best player available and who's going to score the most points. Um, I take an entirely different issue with your team here. Yeah, you went uh, and I, you know, I think maybe this is some of that dynasty coming in. But in the third round, late third, you went uh, C.E.H. Yeah. And then you came back in the fifth with Taylor and then swung around and got swift. So you have three of your top six players are rookie running backs. And, you know, there's there could be a trend where, you know, if they don't get early season production, you've got Amari Cooper and Miko Hardman <laughs> in there as well. Uh, those are both top eight picks. If those guys have a bad week and, and your running backs don't hit the ground running, you could be eliminated before any of it matters. You know, like that's the scary part. For yeah, me. for you're, you're totally right. Um, and, and that's actually kind of what led me to really focus on defense and in, in the back half of the, uh, uh-huh. of the draft. So really what I decided I wanted to do this year, first couple picks as safe as I can go, which usually involved a quarterback and, and in this case, I, I, I didn't do it on purpose, but I stacked Saints, uh, Kamara yeah. in the first round and Breeze in the second round. Sure. Uh, and then from then, I wanted high upside guys. So you, you mentioned a lot of those picks already. Uh, the, the rookie running backs, I got three of them and, and also added uh, Amari Cooper, who I always, always yeah. loved to draft, and, and Mecole Hardman in the eighth. And uh, after those first eight rounds, that's when I wanted to start focusing on defense because, um, what did I you mean, right, right. So <laughs> with, with your team defense, I mean, you're not going, they're never going to get hurt, right? They're, they're going to give you that baseline 
10 to 12 points each week. And uh, if you get some of the, the better ones, I think I did. I got the 49ers, the Ravens, the Vikings. Um, all of those defenses are, are ranked pretty highly in, in preseason ranks. You know, yeah. those three, those three defenses are probably going to give me between what 35 and 50 points a week just from those. Yeah, good for uh, yeah. And if right, right. That's that's the floor. And then the first half of the draft is the ceiling. Um, so we'll see how it works. I mean it might it might collapse on me, but uh right. It's been, it was a fun experience. We'll definitely do some updates for sure. Uh, your yours was one of the first eliminators that I that started. You you had an early one compared yeah. to the other ones that were going off a little later. So I was able to kind of use that as a blueprint. Uh, I never really have defense on my mind when it comes to and I and I should because there 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 are some consistent points there. It's just something that that kind of I'm just like an anti defense guy in general. So just basic dynasty thought process with it, with defenses and kickers and stuff. But you inspired me and I ended up with Baltimore and San Francisco and like all my other, most of my other eliminators as well. So, uh, I was just like, all right, Ryan thinks, you know, I was like, all right, he's taking CEHs early. I'm like, Oh, let me take the, you know, let me, this, this was, a, and I'm glad you did all this homework because I was, <laughs> I was just, uh, I was just kind of winging it myself. But, uh, but, but you're right. I, I actually won. I was in two eliminators last year and I won one of them. That was the one I did not, I didn't even draft a quarterback. So I, I won this eliminator with no quarterback. For everyone out there, just to, just to be clear, it's all flex. It yeah. doesn't, there's no requirements. Uh, I think Ryan was about to say it's, it's super flex. You can play two, but it's zero two. like, you don't have to play any particular position. So having those five defenses or not having a quarterback doesn't hurt you because all those right. guys can just plug right in. So go ahead, Ryan. Sorry. Yeah, I was just going to say with with the super flex uh, start up to two quarterbacks that I, I do generally like to um, I like to take two or three. But uh, in in the previous seasons, I had built these eliminator teams really almost like I build my dynasty super flex teams. Like if you look at my first um, eight rounds and, and I kind of thought about these drafts, there's 16 rounds total. I kind of thought about them in, in halves. So you'll hear me talking about the first eight and the second eight. If you go back to the previous years of my first eight picks, I was taking three quarterbacks, sometimes even four, if, if I thought there was a value and, um, with the best ball format, I mean, it's just, that's just not going to work out and you're not going to, you're not going to survive with that because you're, you're taking two of your first eight picks and, and putting them on your bench every week or, or one of them, depending on uh, how many extra quarterbacks you, you choose there. So uh, that was another change in strategy for me this year that I, I knew I wanted to take either one or two and just not, not focus on chasing points at the quarterback position this year. No, Ryan, why don't you tell the people where they can find you since, you know, you, you like to hide most of your work and, and stay off the radar so well. Yeah, yeah, I'm tough to find. Um, <laughs> no, you can find you can find uh, most of my work at Dynasty League Football, um, and then also going to start doing some more work for Roto World as well. So you'll see some stuff there. Also, um, you can listen to my podcast, uh, DLF Dynasty Podcast, Commission Impossible, and Dynasty Blueprint as well. Uh, and then you find me on Twitter at Ryan MC 23. All right. you know, I got one request for you. Can we get more super flex talk on, on the blueprint? You guys are stuck on one QB. We drug Matt over to the super flex side. There's I, I need more super flex. 
<laughs> yes, we we need that for sure. It was funny. We've been doing our team building series and and even uh, even talking about strategy in a one quarterback series. I don't know if you guys have gotten to listen to any of those, but uh, almost all of our guests have basically said, yeah, I just play super flex. I only play super flex. So, <laughs> right. so you could almost feel the shift of the show, uh, you know, mid conversation, but trying to uh, yeah, drag. you're absolutely right. More, more super, super flex is needed. I have a quick one. When is the, the trade analyzer going to incorporate the tight end premium in their calculations? Oh, there you go. Yeah, that's that's definitely on the table. We've got uh, a lot of things there in the works. That's uh, that's hopefully the next one. But uh, right. I mean, a lot of the a lot of the things that we've talked about here, you know, including Devi, including IDP, and certainly adding that tight end premium uh, scoring setting are, are things that we want to do very soon. So I'll just say soon. I'll go with soon as as the cop out <laughs> answer. Hey, that's the best one. But yeah, no, I'm I'm a we're we're, we're both big fans. Uh, I I listen to the Blueprint all the time, and whenever I whenever whenever anything of yours kind of pops up on my podcast feed, I'm just like, all right, cool, yeah, let's go mow the lawn now, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, thanks for coming on. We really appreciate it, and um, you know, we will hope hopefully we'll get you on again soon. And yeah, uh, yeah, glad to come on. I'll I'll join you guys anytime. All right. Well, thanks, everyone. And thanks for tuning in to the Dynasty Hot Sauce Podcast. <laughs>